a listener production. Welcome along to episode 128 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring the smooth tones of Sandy Roberts on ISAPE. The Army Reserves Cup. I want you to tell me what it was and how you went about broadcasting it, and then I want to talk to you about football broadcasting. So you would leave World of Sport. Yep. And you would go to the Lakeside Oval. Correct. And it, w- it was the reserves. It was. Seven Sport, the football specialist, proudly presents today's live coverage of the Army Reserve Cup from the Lakeside Oval. Now, my first question I have for you about this, Sandy is how the hell you knew who was playing. Because, again, you don't get any player ID, there's no videos to look at, and it's the reserve. So Correct. How, do you know, how do you know who's out there? Well, you got the team sheet, and yeah. I think initially I was calling with um, Lou Richards and Bob Skilton. Yep. Um, they were the, just the three of us, and then in latter years that changed to Peter McKenna and Don Scott. Yep joining me with Peter Donegan on the boundary line. So, I mean, it was, well, you you actually, you basically had to learn, learn the numbers. You couldn't go by vision <laughs> because there was none. So it, every weekend was a an absolute very steep learning curve. A little bit of conjecture on that uh, 41 number. We might see if we can get someone to check that out for us because we've got... Uh, one saying uh, 41. It's definitely Phillips. Right, so Phillips is 41 because the, the record said uh, it was Duncan. So we will disregard the record. I think, Sean, I think Sean Duncan's left Essendon, as a matter of fact, Essendon, uh, Sandy, and I think he's, uh, I'm not sure where well, he's playing. Uh, he might have gone interstate. Anyway, the ball's on half or all kicked off the ground. And so we also tended to digress a bit <laughs> yes. throughout the call and there might there might be some someone interesting in the crowd. and uh, Dogs! Dogs on the ground, t- Sandy. T- yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I remember them. I remember them. <laughs> there must be 15 dogs, I think, out here on the ground at the moment. There's another. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. It is quite incredible. And look, they're everywhere. And the interesting thing about these dogs, some of them, the purebreds, are bred for a specific reason. Did you know that? Oh, dear. <laughs> no, so I'm being serious. Not the crossbreds. The, those well, chihuahuas. What sort of reason? Well, I don't know. They're either hunting dogs, they're used for hunting, or... Well, look at this little pickle. Da- I mean, that's tiny. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's look a at chihuahua, that. chihuahua, isn't it? I think she's got a problem. I think we'd better take a break. One in particular, a German shepherd, <laughs> who was very keen to just relieve himself, <laughs> uh, and he did. In his own time. So, yeah, again, a, a very great learning curve, but also a lot of fun. In fact, uh, Gordon Bennett used to say to us, or say to me on a Monday morning, I'd, I'd get in and uh, and Ron Casey would call up Gordon and say, what have those three clowns been doing now on Sunday afternoon? Because <laughs> probably one of his mates had rung him up and said, you know, Gee, that was a bit funny, or that was. What are they doing, or whatever? But it, funnily enough, Howie, um, it rated it rated really well. Yeah, and it, it continued to. I don't know why, but it did. Um, and I think, you know, it it, it almost complemented World of Sport. It made it a just a great day to sit in front of the telly and watch sport. C- can I take a stab in the dark as why it rated well, Sandy? Yeah, because it was entertaining, and this is yes. in this yeah. in this in this two hour chat that I'm uh, 
forcing you to sit through. This is the one question that I've been ruminating on. So I've been back and watched a lot of that and a lot of your VFL calling. It was fun. Yeah. It was just so loose and fun. And now the the, the discussion I want to have with you, we – I call on the radio for Triple M and, and our calls are like that, I would like yep. to think. They're ent- they're, we're an entertainment product. Correct. In doing football, which is what you did. The game is entertainment. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's an entertainment space. Now, I've recently in the last year and a half started calling football on yep. the television for Fox Correct. Footy Sandy. This is no reflection on Fox Footy or the seven football broadcast. It is in nowhere near as much fun as you guys were having then. And if you go off the straight and narrow nowadays in football broadcasting on the television, you will have social media in an uproar with negativity. Yeah. I think I think we've lost the direction of the you didn't you guys didn't have in jokes or there was it wasn't smutty. It was just blokes at the footy loving what they were doing, commentating with their mates having fun and it was suburban and it was just entertaining, Sandy, and I think we've lost that due to the negativity of the modern world. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, I do, and I I agree with you totally, but I think what is to blame, well, one, social media. Now, so, you know, yeah. social media is over everything. You know, you, you make one tiny little mistake and... Oh. It's it's around the country. So, um, but the other thing is, we were, and this is credit to Ron Casey. It's the people he employed, like uh, Louis and Jack, Bob Skilton, uh, Peter McKenna, Don Scott, all these guys. Yep. Um, and it, look, it's Sunday afternoon, uh, and yes, we we did try and have fun. I'll. I'll I'll grant you that, yep. and um, and we enjoyed it. Um, and I think that also then, you know, in those days, Howie, players had jobs. So many of them had jobs, um, and it was it was more the Army Reserve on a Sunday afternoon, sort of epitomised suburban footy, if you like. Yeah. You know, the, the, we had we had a in many ways, a cult following. We'd have people come, <laughs> stand in front of the box because you you were in in an open box yep. at the Lakeside Oval. Now, so it was open it, to the punters around you. Yes, yeah. Wow. Not, not sorry, sorry, sorry. We had a roof, but it was open at the front, so okay. there were people that could stand in front of the box, just turn around and you know have a chat or abuse or whatever. Right. Um, right. That and I, I always remember one. It was uh, I can't remember the name of the player, but anyway, at the late where we were was on the wing in those days, and the box was just inside the ground. Now, and the ground in those days was fenced, and the toilets were outside <laughs> the ground. Yeah. So we were calling this game, and it was with Peter McKenna and Don, and. Um, Peter, Peter McKenna had to go to the toilet. Right. So, you know, he just signalled, yeah, yeah, no worries. And we kept calling. And while he was out of the ground, 
um, relieving himself. Uh, I think uh, South Melbourne got a, a free kick in front of goal, and you know, right in front, kicked the goal. So McKenna's come back and we've come out of a break, you know, and I just said, uh, <laughs> welcome back uh, to the Lakeside Oval. Peter McKenna, South really making a game of this. Tell us about that magnificent goal. Well, it was the simplest goal in the history of the game. So Pete, he was just absolutely flabbergasted. He hadn't seen it. He didn't hear the crowd or anything. <laughs> so that, that sort of told you what the Lakeside Oval on a Sunday afternoon was like. What number's 32, Glasgow, didn't he? So who have we got out? We got Perovic. Marku. Marku. Well, let's, and let's wait and see where the Corker Millis is at. Because he's supposed to be injured. Who won the toss? Murphy in the forward pocket. Well, Carlton are kicking towards the scoreboard end. What's that in, Bobby? That's a Robert Heatley stand. I'll learn this one, though. Fitzroy to the Robert Heatley stand end. All right, good game today, boys. Let's really get it up. <coughs> well, I use the term loosely. Seven's big league cameras are at Prince's Park for the clash between Fitzroy and Carlton. The Blues wanting the double... Right, let's get to um, what was it called? The the uh, Seven's big league coverage? Yes. Tonight in an action-packed one-hour edition of Seven's Big League, Richmond embark on one of the season's toughest assignments. Beat Hawthorne and keep its final five hopes alive. Lose and look to 1986. That's pressure football VFL style. So th- this was me going to watch the Hawks at Waverley and uh, I lived up in Taralgon and then racing back with Dad in the car to hopefully see the replay and hopefully it would be the Hawks. You'd be there. It'd be Scotty Palmer. It was... It was such a part of the fabric of uh, Victorian and Australian life. I-, I want to, if you'll indulge me, Sandy, I, I want to just read a few lines of some of your calls and you can just give me a- just a very brief memory of the moment. Can you do that for me? I hope my memory's still okay. I think you will. I'll give it a crack. In 1989, Geelong versus Collingwood, here is the magician at work. He shoots towards goal. What more can you say? about Gary Ablett. Iconic. Yeah, that was, I, I say to people really, Howie, I took a punt then because, I mean, one, I loved Gary Ablett. Yep. Senior. Loved him. You know, he, I wouldn't go to a game to see Geelong. I would go to a game to see Gary Ablett. Right. Wow. That, that's, you know, that's, and so anyway, he, he picked up the ball or whatever and, and here's a magician where he shoots towards goal and I took a punt when I said, what more can you say? And the ball was still, hadn't, hadn't gone through for a goal, was still in the process, wow. in motion. So if, if that had gone across the face of goal, we wouldn't be talking about this. I would, be, I would look at an, an idiot. Oh, he's a light, Gary Ablett. Look at this. Here is the magician at work. He shoots towards goal. What more can you say? Um, but it was just one of those ones that, that worked and... Yeah, it's just, you know, not scripted or anything like that. It's just I loved watching him play yep. and just what he did then was, you know, I loved him, loved him. I'm loving this. Is This is a great thrill for me to do this with you, Sandy, so I appreciate it. 1993, the Swans versus the Saints. Oh, there is a pig on the <laughs> ground. There is a pig 
at full forward. <laughs> Probably your most iconic call, Sandy. Well, it's strange, isn't it, if we're talking about that, a, a, a pig, but, yeah. Oh, there's a pig on the ground. <laughs> there is a pig at full forward. Oh, he's on a lead. He's on a lead. <laughs> Get the runner out there and oh. pick up the pig. Oh. <laughs> Number four plugger. <laughs> it's funny, the guy who did it, Howie, yeah. Uh contacted me a few years oh, later. Oh, this is the bloke that let the pig on the ground? Yes. Right. And uh, I said, well, how did you do it? Yeah. And he's a Melbourne bloke. He said, I got on the train, I flew to Sydney, <laughs> I had a Hessian bag, I got the yellow pages <laughs> and I looked to see piggeries on the outside outskirts of Sydney. <laughs> he, and he found one. So off he went in the train again. Bought a little porker, <laughs> had a had a red texter, and wrote plugger. He couldn't even spell plugger correctly, and put the number four on. I said, "Yeah, but how did you get in the ground?" Yeah. Now, in those days, if you were the players or the media, you got in through this little side door down, and it was basically. Uh, a basement and the lift was there to go up to the commentary box. It's still there, Sandy. Is it? It's okay. still there. Righto. Or that would get you straight out onto the ground. Yes. Okay. So what he did, somehow he conned his way <laughs> with the pig in the Hessian bag, he conned his way uh, past the security bloke. Well, it wasn't great security in those days on that door and that got him in. So then he just walked down, sat down and... Um, the rest is pretty much history. He <laughs> he let the pig go and uh, I think the trivia question that came out of it all was who caught the pig? Right. And it was... And who, who, who did? Yeah. His name was Darren Holmes. Well, I wonder how far we've got to go back to see when time on was allowed for a pig on the ground. He's just drifting into the right full oh, pocket. Now a dash back to lead. full forward. That was exciting. Now he's out to half forward. He's definitely got Dean Anderson's measure. Oh, this is extraordinary. <laughs> Enough oh, fine tackle. What a magnificent tackle. That's Darren Holmes. But you even went into the description of what type of pig it was showing your farming roots, Sandy. That's true professionalism. Yeah, it was a large white land race cross, <laughs> I think. That looks like a large white land race cross. We have an expert in the field. It's a good thing you're here. And and Dennis, Dennis, who was because I saw the pig. Right. Dennis was calling. Yeah. And um, uh, he didn't see it. Right. So I, 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 he's calling away, and I suddenly I say, uh, "There is a pig on the ground." <laughs> and Dennis almost ricked his neck when he looked at me. <laughs> and, and I think he actually said, after I'd said it's a large white land race crossword, he said. I'm glad you're here, Sandy, because I don't know a lot about pigs. Um, but, yeah, that was that was the pig at full. Uh, I want to keep going. Uh, the 1993 grand final between Essendon and Carlton, away goes Michael Long, 50 metres out, still going, 30 metres out. Oh, what play. It may have been touched on the line with Silvani diving. That's... That's a bigger grand final moment as there is. It was, uh, well, again, I was lucky to be calling a player that I loved. I loved watching Michael Long and he he was just, he was, he epitomised the excitement machine and um, 
and you know what it's like. It's a grand final, so you you're going to be pumped. You know, whatever happens, but it's probably magnified because it's a a grand final. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought you, perhaps you better ask Sauce if, in fact, did he touch <laughs> yes. it? But uh, the umpire said no, and yeah, it was it was a memorable moment, especially for Michael Long, and of course Essendon. Uh, to go on and win it. Away goes Michael Long. 50 metres out. Still going. 30 metres out. Oh, what play. It may have been touched on the line. No. One of the plays of the year. There was the famous plugger uh, to put Essendon uh, out and Sydney Sydney into a grand final. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I, I think... Any score will do. Was that the one? Yeah, the most important kick of his career any score will do. That's a good as commentary that I've heard because he's this enormous man. He's had however many shots. And you can't brought, you can't script stuff in broadcast. He can kick it forward. There's 22 seconds left. The kick towards Look it. Out. Oh, Look out. Be there. Look, it's got it. 50 metres from goal. If he kicks a point, the Swans are into the grand final. I talked about this with Martin Tyler, and he said, whatever comes into your head. But the fact yeah. that he has had that many kicks at that point and you had the presence of mind to say the most important kick of his career when he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, that's that's commentary genius, I reckon, Sandy. It'll be after the siren, the kick. They're all heading down there. Will you keep the distance, Jared? Absolutely. Directly well, the siren is going. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. The scene is set. You couldn't get it any better than this. I don't think anybody's heard the siren. No one has moved in the crowd. What a finish. Any score. Otherwise, we play extra time. Lockett, the most important kick of his career. Any score will do. He kicks. Well, the other thing, uh, I mean, any score would have got them yep. into the grand final. and that, But I also believe, you know, you talk generically about broadcasting and I think the unspoken word is just as important, if or if not more so, than the spoken word, particularly. And, and that was the case because you've got the SCG absolutely rocking, you know, full house and Tony with the footy. And needing to score, yeah. No, nothing more needs to be said. Just let the picture tell the story. And um, as I say, I, I like the unspoken word yep. in, particularly in a sport like golf, for example. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything a lot of times. And sometimes in footy, uh, like that particular occasion with Tony, was one of those. Final one, nine ninety nine. Now, you're not prepared for this at the footy. You're not going to believe this. The scoreboard here at the MCG is on fire, Sandy. Like You're not turning up to the footy thinking you're going to be on a potential um, fire situation. Well, you're not going to believe this. The scoreboard here at the MCG is on fire. Now, I'll tell you, Howie, yeah. I won't name him. Okay. But um, I'm up in the commentary box, ready to go. Yeah. And uh, I notice we're on air in a couple of minutes and I notice that the scoreboard is, I can see these flames. So I thought, 
we better change the opener. This is this could be anything here. <laughs> so I, I, I call a producer and say, look, um, uh, I was always going to say his name. Look, um, we've got a problem. The scoreboard is on fire and uh, it looks to be getting rather serious. <laughs> no, don't, don't worry about that now. No, we're coming on air, okay? Now, this was a bloke <laughs> who would do the running sheet the running sheet for Friday night footy or Saturday. He'd do the running sheet on Tuesday. Right. And so no, in, no deviation. No, it's set in stone. <laughs> so anyway, we obviously the cameras then had to follow once I said the scoreboard's on fire. But, yeah, not the sort of thing you'd expect at a footy <laughs> match. We started out by seeing a small flame just above the clock and that has grown in the last 30 seconds. This scoreboard could blow up. Make no mistake about that. This scoreboard could explode and believe it or not, the players are out on the ground going through their warm-up. It is, uh, I don't know if it's playable now. I didn't think I'd be too lost for words coming to Friday Night Footy. This is incredible, I, I must admit. So, Sandy, you talked about sports broadcasting. I reckon it was, I don't think it was a golf tournament. I reckon it was the Jack Newton Classic. And you won't remember, but I was a young bloke at Channel 7 back in the Sports World's days. Yep. And I had to produce you doing a series of links. And I'm sure it was the Jack Newton Classic, which was up there on the coast and there were all these celebrities. And so I was holding the flecky ball and the camera was ready and I, I thought, well, I can't really help Sandy here. He's, he's the man. So you would have had to say, hello and welcome, this is where we are, and then we would have repositioned. Now it was day three and I'd never seen anything like it as a young man, Sandy. You just went bang, 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 bang. And what would have been for a mere mortal three hours to do, you knocked off in half an hour. And I thought to myself, there's nothing I can do to get to a situation where I could do that. that That is the most phenomenal television one-take stuff I've ever seen. I'm sure you could do it, Harry, well, by the way. Well, now, with experience and practice, I realise that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. But the thing I noticed about it, and I don't know if you would even know this, I'm, I'm sure producers have told you, you always came on with this big beaming smile, and I noticed every time you did it, you would do a little chuckle. And then away you go. That's a little, right, yeah. just a, a little yeah. chuckle. Yeah. In the city of Rochester. Sorry, we're ready, are we? <laughs> Can you, re- do you, do you realise you're doing that? Yes. Because, and that, yep. it, it had that big smile on your face like you've got now and you invited the viewers in with that beautiful smile. Just trying to, because you know, you're getting a countdown in your earpiece or something like that and you know, you know, you, you've got to present yourself. Yes. You've got, you know, you know, welcome, be happy and... So yeah, <laughs> and away you'd go. That's it. That's that, it. That's it. And and bang. That's it. And you would you would invite yourself into the lounge room. So so further to that. Yeah. You you were just so smooth and always seemingly unruffled. What do you reckon the key to? We'll get to commentary, but what do you reckon the key to television broadcasting is? Because there's been no better, Sandy. But oh no, I think yeah. Um, I, I think. Uh, being natural. Don't don't try and be someone you're not. The, the public aren't stupid. They can they can pick someone uh, who's not genuine uh, or natural. And I think you'd find that those people struggle to survive mm-hmm. in the industry. But if you're, you know, like I, I credit 
my the way that I broadcast everything to a mixture of, you know, Ron Casey, Lou Richards, Jack Dyer, um, those those old callers like Butch Gale, huh. Mike Williamson. If you put all them in a blender and mash them up, that that's what I would like to think that I came out as. Yeah. And then football commentary, sports commentary. Let, let's look at football. Yep. What do you reckon the key to broadcasting football on the television is? Well, it's, sadly, it's been very different in the past couple of years for obvious reasons, the COVID. Yeah. And now that um, networks are tending to call off monitors, and which, again, is so disappointing but I can understand the financial constraints. Um, I think the key, it comes back, I still think, you know, because there's so much money in the game now, everyone's a lot more serious. Yes. Um, Add to that social media and people are very wary of what they say and what they do. but again, if 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 you're if you're natural, you know you're going to survive. If if you're and and if you enjoy your work, and people can see that you enjoy your work, you'll survive. So I don't think there's any um, I don't think there's any magic ingredient. And it, you know the thing is, Howie, it doesn't matter who you are if you're if you're doing it in, nowadays. Uh, you're good. You know, there's no room for an, an average caller. Um, mm. They get found out. So, um, no, it's look. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, a very restricted um, job. Not a lot of people are lucky enough to do it. But um, you know, everyone that I know that has done it has has loved it, and you know. I think I think it shows. It's a tremendous, uh, it's a tremendous privilege, isn't it? Really, to be able to, oh, to be able to talk about sport in people's oh, lounge rooms and get paid oh, for it. Wow! You know, people. You know, we should never forget how fortunate we all have been. I mean, you get paid to go and yeah. sit and watch an opening ceremony in, you know, Barcelona. I mean, we, you know, could you go and do yeah. a grand final with hundred thousand people and? It's just yeah. you, you pinch yourself, pinch yourself. Um, frequent listeners to this show, Sandy, know I have a couple of kids who I inform them about the guest yep. and then they fire in their own question. Okay. okay. So you are firstly going to get my daughter right. who is 11 years of age at the moment. She's in homeschooling again, Sandy, due yes. to the situation we are in Victoria. What's her name? Her name is Sky. Right. But she operates under the nickname, we love a nickname in this house, Sandy, of the Pickle. Oh, that's a bit harsh. No, she likes it, Sandy. She <laughs> likes it. So okay. we've spent an hour and a half pumping you up. <laughs> that's the pickle. Knock me down. <laughs> the pickle cuts to the chase. So <laughs> this is, uh, here you go, Sandy. I hope you can hear this. Okay. Hi, Sandy. Pickle here. Dad showed me videos of you commentating. You were amazing. So smooth. Whenever Dad d- makes a mistake on the radio or the telly, we tease him about it when we get home. 
What's your biggest stuff up that you've ever done on air? Thank you, Pickle. <laughs> Someone's got to bring you back to earth, Sandy. I, I spent an hour and a half pumping you up beyond the belief here. <laughs> well, you know what it was. Um, but I wish it would go away, but it won't. It's 37 years old. So, Pickle, uh, I was at the Mount Gambier races um, hosting their two-hour cup coverage. Yes. Which consisted of a hurdle race and the cup itself. And right. each year the... Mount Gambier Club would invite a guest, a special guest, and that was usually in the form of a uh, Miss Australia, a Miss Victoria, Miss South Australia, and that year was eighty three was also the case, and they invited um, Miss Australia Leanne Dick down and. I arrived at the track and we had a production meeting. I had to pre-record an interview with her. Uh, that. Uh, was in the can. So we went to air. I was in the mounting yard, which, as you know, when you're hosting in a mounting yard, it's tough because your yes. lead could go at any time or your mic, whatever. Anyway, so we, we got on air. I they put the uh, I introduced the Leanne interview. That went to air. Um, we went to a break, came back. Um, they had a couple of other interviews. And it was almost time for the hurdle. So uh, I said, right, and then all of a sudden there was a bit of movement and I noticed a vet had come out and whatever. Anyway, a horse had thrown a plate. So they informed us in my earpiece, the the, uh, director, look, um, uh, we'll go to a break and uh, just come back and assess the situation. No dramas. So we went to the break and... uh, they were still mucking around with the horse and the, the producer said, look, um, just grab another interview, would you, and just fill for a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking around the I'm looking around the mounting yard, looking, and I said, look, I'm sorry, I can't see anyone. The only person still here is that Leanne Dick um, and that interview's already gone to air. No, look, just grab her quickly. We're coming back in about 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, so I grab her up, pull her over. And Sky Pickle, this is what I said. Welcome back to picturesque Glen Burnie Racecourse here in Mount Gambier. Still with us is Miss Australia, Leanne Cock, <laughs> uh, Dick. And my life changed forever then, Pickle. We still have Miss Australia with us in uh, Leanne Cock and uh, uh, Leanne Dick, I should say. And Leanne, it's going to be very interesting. So, so <laughs> at the time, so if if you did that now... That is worldwide within literally five minutes, Sandy, with social media. It didn't take at, long at, then either. Right. American funniest home videos. Was it? British funniest home videos. <laughs> Gary Fenton was besieged. <laughs> <laughs> but Howie, Howie. And some good person kept the, kept the tape, yes. You, you know who that person was? Who? Gordon Bennett right. was in Ballarat that day and he was in videotape because BTV6 Ballarat took the coverage of the cup, he saw it and that's when it went (laughs) wildfire. Because like that, that's a that's a classic one. I, I was looking 
and you, you gave your best when you were doing the, I don't know if it was the news, Sandy, you did your best. My wife and I never get daylight savings right, whether to go backward or oh, forward. Yeah. And, and you rolled out the news and confused the whole state. Where, was that Was that on the six nightly news? Where, where was that? Correct. No, that was in the studio, South Melbourne. Today, Saturday, the 30th of October, Mal will be back at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening with the next edition of 7 National News. Don't forget to put your clocks back. One hour. And then I I look, uh, Wayne Foster Nelly was the floor manager and I, you can see my eyes dart over to him, not back, forward, uh, forward one hour. Before I say goodnight, don't forget, put the clocks back and watches back one hour before you go to bed tonight. And, uh, in fact, don't put them back one hour, put them forward one hour. That's how confused I am about daylight saving. Forward one hour. From the news team, pleasant viewing, good luck with the watch changing and good night. In the end, I almost said, look, do whatever you like. You know, I'm off. <laughs> just just on the news, which is uh, it, it's a very foreign environment. People think you're in this massive studio and it's often a, a tiny little cramped studio. There's a couple of cameras and you've got to bring the vibrancy into people's rooms. You, Sandy, went beyond what most sportscasters did, whether it was Jennifer Kite or Peter Mitchell. Like you'd throw stuff back to Mitch almost to throw him off that serious newsreader scent. And it's the news and it's serious, but you made it watchable and you made it fun. It goes back to that footy. You were covering the sport, so you could afford to have some fun, but it was just, again, you were just warming yourself into people's lounge room. I I used to love it. Yeah, I, I always, I, I didn't want to do it all the time, but I, I, I wanted to make a point that, you know, one Sport is entertainment and and news is serious business, we know that, but there's so much bad stuff going on in the world of news yeah. that it's it's nice if you can if you can lighten it up. I mean you know I, I remember um, we were doing the races and um, you know I love Jen kite, but she's not a she's not a racing fan and um, <laughs> so as uh, a throwback I said that's it. Uh, for sport tonight, Jen, don't forget, on air tomorrow at 12, uh, eight big races at Flemington. And she said, yes, I'm really looking forward to that. And I said, liar, liar, pants on fire. A class act who delivers with warmth and a unique brand of humour. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. What did you just say? And it just broke her up. (laughs) and, and, And people love that. More of Sandy in a moment. For obvious reasons, I love the episodes involving sports broadcasters as it's a fair old chance for me to learn from some of the best. We've been lucky enough to feature the great Dennis Committee on episode five, Phil Liggett, episode 31, funny, funny man, Ray Rabs Warren, the voice of Rugby League, episode 54, Martin Brundle, F1 icon, episode 93, Ian Smith, the happiest bloke on the planet at the moment, episode 94, and Mr. Football himself, Martin Tyler, on episode 111. Also, back on episode 33, we featured a bloke called Bruce. And when you're as big as Bruce, you really only need one name. But like all of us in life, Bruce faced choices along the way. My life could have gone one of two ways, I reckon. If I'd stayed in the public service, I'd be unfulfilled. I'd be probably a heavy gambler and a heavy drinker and frustrated um, I'd still have an innate happiness about me because I've always had it it's what I was born with but I'd be unfulfilled 
Um, so, how lucky am I, eh? That's the legend that is Bruce McAvaney. Go back and check out episode 33 of the show. Alrighty, let's get back to sandals. Now, Sandy, you faced the question from the pickle. Now you get my nine-year-old son. His name is Mac, but he likes to operate as the big penguin. Don't ask questions, Sandy. Here he goes. Hi, Sandy. Big penguin here. My dad is my favourite commentator. That might sound a bit biased, but anyway. And my second favourite commentator is Mr Cricket. In other words, my cussy. But what I want to know is what's your favourite commentator to listen to? Penguin, that's a tough question. I go back a long, long way to my all-time favourite. Your dad will know a little bit about him, but his name was Lou Richards and he had a passion for the game. You could tell that he was natural and he was an entertainer and he was great to work with, except he'd always spill his coffee over my notes. But he's probably my all-time favourite. In today's group of callers, they're all good. They have to be, otherwise they wouldn't work. But I like, again... People that are natural and you can tell they're having fun and like being where they are behind the microphone. That includes your dad, James Brayshaw, Dwayne Russell uh, from Fox, very good and very accurate. So they're, they're my top three, but I'm afraid Louie takes the cake. Oh, and Penguin, great nickname. Your golf commentary, Sandy, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking through a few topics here. I, I used to be the, uh, when 10 had the golf, I had the great pleasure of being the on-course golf reporter and I loved it. You're out there amongst it. Yeah. And then there was a World Cup of golf and Lee Diffie had left to go to the United States of America. He was our lead golf caller. And the boss at the time, I think it was David White, or David Barham said, you're going to have to commentate the golf. I said, oh, yeah, I'll do the on-course. They said, no, no, you need to be, you need to commentate it. It's a, it's a one-off event, the World Cup of Golf. And I remember thinking, oh, gee, I'm going to be in there with Ian Baker Finch, um, world's most warm man to be on air with, and Wayne Grady, world's nicest bloke. But if you get it wrong, grades will tell you you've got it wrong. And you know what I did, Sandy? I, I looked up. Sandy Roberts Golf YouTube and I watched how you commentated golf because I thought, well, you know, Sandy, he's never played in the British Open. He's like me. He's a normal punter and we're going to have to talk about golf. No. He's given it a decent old spank. Oh! How <laughs> the hell did that stay out? <laughs> when they hit him dead centre and that was dead centre, they usually drop in. <laughs> And, and there's, a, there's a great clip of you with Norman and, and Lee Westwood at a presentation where you're joking with his fiancée. I'd like to thank my caddy. Um, I think he's still in a job after the last five weeks. Um, and I'd hope, hope to see a few of you, maybe not all of you, but um, a few of you back at Royal Adelaide next year when I try and defend the title. Thank you. Just, just before you, you go, Lee, um, I'm just looking around. Have you forgotten anyone? Fiance or anyone like that, I don't know how important she is, but Laurie's been... She's always a bag of nerves. She doesn't help at all. <laughs> Doesn't she? Um, can you just, just fill us in on what's happening, because am I right saying you were going to get married, what, before the Masters? No, the week of the Masters. The week of the Masters. But I decided to play golf instead. Decided to play golf instead. Well, there you go. Any... Anybody disagree with that? Any, any men disagree with that? Uh, she's just a bit keen to know how long does she have to wait? Oh, I don't know. I think of another big tournament to set it against. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Lee Westwood. Thank well you. done, Lee. 
and and then you were making the golf commentary fun as well without saying much and I tried to follow that approach basically of not saying much mm. and I think it worked out okay because yeah. I didn't say much and I took that directly from you around your golf broadcasting. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, like you, like you, you've got luminaries in the box with you and yeah. people like IBF and we were exactly the same, you know, when you have people coming out like Bruce Critchley and Renton Laidlaw who uh, are legends in England and Europe and throw in Jack Newton as well, a legend here in Australia. And there's no need. I never thought of myself doing golf as um, as one of them. I was I was basically a link man. Greg Norman's playoff record on the US tour, interesting. He's won four and lost seven. I wouldn't call it a difficult bunker shot, but I'm given the circumstances. This one brilliant shot. <laughs> Wonderful to watch. You know, I was there to to welcome them and to, to bring them into conversation by asking them questions or things like that. It wasn't my job to say, oh, look, he's pulled that terribly and he's looking at a double no. bogey. You know, that that's not my job. That's Jack's job. And uh, I was acutely aware of that because I always remember when I did my first um, Australian Masters, and it was oh, it was about 1982 or three, and uh, I was leaving Huntingdale, and it was I think it was my first one, and I didn't know golfers well at that stage or anything like that, and um, uh, as I was leaving the course, so too was Bob Shearer who, um, you know, I knew had won in Tallahassee in 81 or whatever and was a, a god here. And uh, I said, hello, Bob. And he said, uh, I notice you're new to the game. And now, whether he was having a crack at me uh, yeah. for, for the commentary, but it was something that I always remembered. And I, I'd, I'd look back at that broadcast and just try and learn from it. Um and, you know, I got to know Bob really well and we got on famous. We still do get on famously. So um, just little things like that. But um, I'm glad you like doing your golf commentary. It's 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 a great sport. Oh, it's, I, I loved it. I, I didn't get asked back, Sandy, but then <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. But <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Uh, a, a show that... Um, that that was revolutionary in its time was called Seasons and I know you were involved in it and there'd be all of a sudden these amazing athletes with Bruce talking to Carl Lewis or or you going and spending time with Greg Norman and you and you're fishing together and it was that that really glossy high end sports production show. Oh, could not be unhappy with this. <laughs> Where to go, Sandy? Sorry, it's nothing personal, Greg. God damn, get out of my way. I, I was watching a bit of that yesterday, and then Sandy. As a separate clip of you talking to Greg, and there's no easy way to ask this, and if you don't want to talk about it, you tell me now and we'll chop it out from here. Greg was talking about your son Sam and I I, I wandered halfway into this clip. Um, I work with one of your sons now, Ben, 
Um, <laughs> and I, I had no idea about the history or the background of what had happened to one of your children, Sandy, until Greg Norman started talking about it. I was looking at it on this clip yesterday. Uh, as a as a father now, I don't really have the words to even ask you questions about this. Um, are you happy to talk about this? I don't, uh, look, um, I don't mind talking about it because I'm not the only person in the world that you know this happens to, um, and it's just it was a terrible, it was a terrible time. I mean, you know, it was something that uh, caused Sam to battle for probably five years, um, slowly going downhill. And what what happened, Sandy? He uh, was given a blood transfusion that was not good. Uh, it was infected. So he was a haemophiliac, which is why he had to have blood transfusions. And uh, that blood caused him to be HIV positive. And in those days, there wasn't anything you could do. So we just had to, you know, look after him as best we could um, and try and keep things as natural as we could. Um, he'd often have to have blood transfusions. Um, being a haemophiliac, you know, he he bruised and bled very easily. Um, but with this infected blood in him, um, he just gradually grew weaker and, you know, he died as a 15-year-old. So I was... Um, Yes, you don't. You, you're not meant to bury your children, Howie. We use the word tragic too frequently in the modern world. That that is a tragic story. Did you want to rage against the system where the system is meant to be taking care of your son, and the system ends up causing the death of your son? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the, I was preface this by saying the Geelong Hospital was outstanding um, because we lived on the farm basically in the Western District. He was, that was a, the nearest hospital. Um, I don't know whether it was rage. Look, your, your life, I, I, there's an old saying from a song that I sort of tend to lean on. And that's um, time heals all wounds, they say, but leaves a scar. And I think everyone who goes through this is is left with a scar. And I don't think we were... Obviously, when we first learnt what had transpired, we were very, very upset. But there wasn't anything we could do about it, so we... We lived with it and then when it got to the stage where he was in hospital full-time and that's where he passed away, um, it, was more, it was more sadness than anger. Um, but it, it does have a, an extraordinary effect on your life and the thing I learned is that people deal with uh, tragedy and death in very many 
different ways, and there are different ways. Uh, in a way, I'm sad that I probably, I probably tried to get over it by throwing myself into work. Um, and I think in hindsight that was probably the wrong thing to do. But um, that was just the way I thought I could handle it, Harry. So hindsight is a beautiful thing, Sandy. If you look back now, and people listen to this show that are going through a situation that you've been through, if you said in hindsight throwing yourself into work possibly wasn't the best approach, what do you think would have been, I don't want to use the word better approach, how, how would you approach it differently? I know, I know what you mean. I know, yeah. Uh, I think, um, I think being closer to the, my immediate family by, you know, by not shutting it out, just talk about it, you know, realise that they are going through a really sad time as well as you. So, you know, make make them feel that, yes, you, you understand how they're feeling. I, that's probably the one thing I think. Um, yeah, you know, be, be more inclusive and... But as I said to you before, you know, it's all very well to say that and, and no one can know which way to go until something like that actually happens to you. You know, there's not a, not a script that you pick up and read and this is what you do. It's, 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 it's how you are as a person will dictate how you control it. Um, so, yeah, if, if I did want to change, that's what I'd do. Sandy, let's move on from a devastating topic. Where do you find yourself in the world now? Uh, you're, a, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a grandfather, you're retired. I rang you a couple of weeks ago and you said you're loving life. Where, where, where does life find you now and what's your frame of mind? Oh, my frame of mind's good, Harry. I, um, I, I look at... <laughs> They say timing is everything. Well, I think that um, my timing in my retirement couldn't have come at a better time. I've I felt sorry for you guys the last couple of years, yeah. sitting in front of a monitor trying to work out, you know, are we going to actually see the full forward leading out? And uh, so, uh, look, I was happy, and I'm happy because um, uh, it was a period where my son, my, another of my sons. Angus finished his schooling and started university, so that's keeping us all busy. Uh, we're on an acreage, so and a lot of garden and lawn and things like that. And I'm experimenting, making some stone walls, and th there's a lot to do every day on a an area this big. So I've got, you know, I don't have a lot of idle time. So and that's what I like. So. No, I'm in a very happy space. My wife's happy, Carolyn. And um, Ben, as you know, has been settled at Fox for a number of years now. So, no, we're all in, all in a good space. I'm happy to hear that. This came about 
due to Benny because it was only two weeks ago. I can't recall the game now. He was producing a game of football I was commentating on and I don't need to tell you, Sandy, but he's very good at his job. He's very organised, but he is prepared to go off the rundown. He's always got a smile. He's always very positive. And I can't – I was trying to think what it was this morning. He said something in my ear in in an ad break and it – I wish I could think of the expression, but it's an expression I've heard you use. And in the middle of this football commentary, I thought to myself, <laughs> I've got to ask Sandy if you'll come on the show. It was that link from something Benny said to something that I've heard you say, and that was what put you in the forefront of my mind. So before I ask you my final question, I don't know what the expression was, but for me, Sandy, and I don't know where it came from, you need to tell me, oh, my hat. Oh, yeah. Um. That that that's your signature line. Whether you like it or not, I don't know if you do, but that's to me that that is you. Oh my hat. That was um, Howie something that when we lived on the farm, um, and it was I've got to say it was my father. You know, if something would go wrong, besides a few explosives, I'd, I'd hear the oh my hat. You know, <laughs> oh my hat is, and it, from his point of view, it was. When something surprised him, and I, you know, a kid listens to his father, just pick it up. And uh, but, uh, there was another one used for a bit as well, and that was "Oh my giddy aunt." Yes. But "Oh my hat" sort of <laughs> stood the test of time. But you know, nothing, nothing sinister, Howie. I'm sorry to no, no, it, to it, end it, on. it's just uh, it's like like some of your expressions. I I wrote one down here. It was it was a footy one. I was asking you about all those footy ones. It was Kenny Hunter. Uh, Kenny Hunter. And if that's not holding the ball, I'll walk to Christmas Island you've got with Sandy. <laughs> Hunter can't pick it up on the half volley. Follows it forward. Now he needs support. And he's caught. And if that's not holding the ball, I'll walk to Christmas Island. Oh, dear. Well, that's what Man. it comes back to about that beautiful joy <laughs> You brought, but you're able to have in commentary in your time. You know, everyone looks back and talks about the olden days, but I didn't realise it till I spent the last two days looking at YouTube, just like I said to you, mate, just how much bloody fun you had it with your mates going to work. And it's yeah. it's fantastic. It really is fantastic. Yeah. I've enjoyed every minute of it, Howie, and um, just feel blessed that we had the, as you said earlier, we've had the privilege yeah. of bringing the game to the people. So my final question always ends this way, Sandy. We're, we're lucky enough to have a lot of kids listen to this show and I always preface it by saying if they want to be sports broadcasters or musicians or scientists or builders or truck drivers and they want to be the best they can be in their field, they want to experience some success, what advice would you give them, great man? Uh, I don't think it's all like. Difficult. I mean, they're different. If you'd like to be a, I think if you want to be successful, you've got to be, you've got to be a number of things. You've got to be very approachable. You've got to be ambitious, but not overly. You've got to uh, perhaps above all else, enjoy what you're doing. And if you enjoy it, that will rub off and people will see you for what you are and I think that's that's really important um, but above all you know be happy uh, 
we've got a limited time on this planet. Let's enjoy it while we can. And you don't have to be the you don't have to be the absolute best in the world. So long as you're enjoying what you're doing and you're happy, um, you'll have a good life. I love it, Sandy. What's it been like for you? I've I've taken you through my childhood with with your work and career. What's it been like to to look back about about some of the fantastic things you've had the opportunity to do? Yeah, it is. You. Um, the trouble is, I can't remember who said it, but as you get older, you tend to forget more than yeah you know. Um, I mean, I'll probably finish up here and I, I might go outside and I think, why didn't I tell Howie about that time in there or whatever? But, you know, that's that, that happens. But, um, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, it's, it's been... It, uh, the other thing I, th- the other thing I think that I did want yes. to say is important is that I think we've been lucky enough, I've been lucky enough, to be in television and sport in the time and the era that I was. Like, I, I, I loved football. Before I came to Melbourne, I loved football, tennis, golf. <laughs> the Seven Network had football, tennis and golf nice. for 35 years <laughs> when I came here. So, you know, it, it was... Yeah, it was a great run, a great run. Sandy, this has been a thrill for me. Um, I hope everyone enjoys it as much as I do. Thank you so much for joining me on the Howie Games. It's just great to see that smile and that joy for life which you brought to everything you did on television. Obviously, you do away from television as well. Good on you, mate. Thanks for having a chat with me. Thank you, Howie. Great to do it. Well, that is as much fun as I can have recording an episode of this show. Hope it made you laugh, and if you're my age, took you back to some of the great sporting moments you've seen. Thanks to Sandy for making my week back when we recorded the episode. What a gentleman. Now, there are a few new things coming to the podcast which I can talk about in the next month or so, and thanks to Darcy and MJ for helping me navigate some of the hurdles that we've faced technology these days. Wow. The boys were all over it when I wasn't. Also thanks to the big boy in charge, Grant Tothill, for saying yes time and time again. And to you all, ring your mum, hug your loved ones, give someone a compliment and have a fantastic week. Until next Thursday with Lee Diffie, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try Listener